Thank you, Dan and Youth Choir. Turn to Acts chapter 16. We'll continue our sermon series from the Acts of the Apostles. Acts chapter 16. I want to begin by reading verse 9. Acts 16, 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Help us. Come over here. Cries for help often awaken preachers in the middle of the night. For the Apostle Paul, it was one of those nights of interrupted sleep. Come over here. Come over here and help us. It wasn't the phone ringing, of course, for Paul. There were no phones in that day. It wasn't even the voice of a herald or a messenger, but rather it was a vision that awakened Paul at the middle of the night. Macedonia was not where Paul intended to go. Look there in verse 6. He, he intended to go to Asia. That means he was headed probably to Ephesus. And then he intended to go, verse 7, to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus said, no, no to Ephesus, no to Bithynia. Why? Because the Spirit of Jesus knew that he was going to be called to Macedonia. Come over here to Macedonia and help us, Paul. Look at verse 10. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. Notice the use of the word we. For the first time in the Acts of the Apostles, we have the plural pronoun, meaning that Luke, the physician, has now joined Paul and Silas, a missionary team, and Luke is actually traveling with them at this point as they go to Macedonia. When they get to Macedonia, they go to Philippi, a, a leading city named after Philip of Macedon, Philippi. And they, they go to the city because Paul is led by the Spirit. Can you look over moments in your life when you look back and say, the Spirit of God led me here or led me there? Maybe one of those moments in your life when you had two really good opportunities in front of you. Maybe there was a, an Ephesus and maybe there was a Bithynia and you're called to go to Macedonia. You look back over your life and you realize like much like the Apostle Paul that God was leading and guiding and you are where you are because it is the will of God. Now Paul changes his practice when he goes to Philippi. Normally, you remember, Paul goes to the synagogue, and he brings the gospel to the Jews first. Often, the Jews would reject the message, and then he would go to the Gentiles. But in Philippi, he does not begin at a synagogue. There had to be 10 Jewish males in the city for the establishment of a synagogue. Apparently at Philippi, there were not even 10 Jewish males. There is no synagogue to which Paul can attend. And so he finds a place of prayer down by the river where primarily women and God-fearing Gentiles would meet together on the Sabbath and have a time of prayer. And there he meets a lady. We heard about her in verse 14. Her name is Lydia. 
She's from the city of Thyatira. That is a, a city that was well known for the industry of making purple dye and purple fabrics. And perhaps she's there as a businesswoman selling the purple dye or the purple fabrics. Well, purple was expensive in those days, and she's well-to-do tradeswoman, independent, a businesswoman. Look at verse 14, the end. And the Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. The Lord opened this lady's heart. She was Paul's first convert in Europe. She was baptized. Not only was she baptized, look at verse 15. Her whole household was baptized with her. In verse 15, she invites Paul and company to come to her house. Paul is staying at Lydia's house. When there is a church born, it has to start with people. And Lydia and her family are, we might say, the members of the first Baptist church in Philippi. The first church of baptized believers meeting in Philippi. The church was begun in her household. But there are other believers. The next one, beginning in verse 16, is a, a very unlikely candidate. Look at verse 16. And it happened as we were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by her future telling, her telling of, of fortunes. Plutarch described people like this as ventriloquist. What he meant was, you simply move your mouth, but someone else is doing the talking. She was inhabited by an evil spirit. She moved her mouth. She pronounced the words. It was her tongue articulating, but it was this evil, demonic spirit within her that was producing the sounds and the language that she was speaking, this slave girl. Well, it turned out that she was a profit center. She could tell your fortune. People would go and pay money to have this spirit within her, to hear the oracle, to have the foretelling about their life. And they were making a lot of money off of her. And if Paul would go to the place of prayer, every day she was hounding on his heels. The spirit within her knew these are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you the way of salvation. That's what the demon said. These are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you the way of salvation. Well, Paul couldn't even get to preach. The whole time he's preaching, she's shouting out, These are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you the way of salvation. But have you ever noticed in Scripture... It's kind of an odd thing to say. The characters in Scripture most likely to understand the identity of Jesus or Jesus' followers are demons. The demon within her recognizes the authority of the good within them. They are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you the way of salvation. It's always the demons in the gospel accounts who say to Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. So if you're looking for a truth teller in Scripture, I hate to say it, but look at the demons. They always tell the truth about the identity of Jesus 
and the identity of Jesus' followers. Well, Paul has had all that Paul can take. He's trying to preach, and she keeps interrupting. Look at verse 18. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. At the whole time I was preaching, one of you was popping up and saying, listen to him, he's telling you the way of salvation. That would be a true thing, I hope, but it would certainly interrupt the rhythm and the flow of the message. Paul couldn't preach because of the demon within her, and Paul turns and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. No sooner had the words left his lips than the demon leapt out of her and fled. Paul couldn't take the continual clamor, and so he drove the demon out. Jesus, the name high over all in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Come out, and the demon comes out of the girl. Well, that seems like a good thing. Have you ever heard the saying that no good deed goes unpunished? that no good deed goes unpunished. I found a story about a guy. The title is Handcuffed Hero, Good Samaritan Arrested After Saving a Woman's Life. It's Meansville, Georgia. His name is Rick Rickerson. He had been a captain of the fire department, fire chief for 30 years. He's driving down a highway in Meansville, Georgia, Highway 109. The lady in front of him, her car flips. He parks his car diagonally in the middle of the street. In fact, this guy had written the manual on where you park your car in emergency for his fire department. He parked his car diagonally so you know it wasn't moving. He got out. He pulled her out of the car with some other good Samaritans. He cleared her passageway so she could breathe, and he literally saved her life. Rebecca Buchanan was her name, and Rebecca completely attributes her continued life to Rick Rickerson, who just happened to be the car behind her, a guy trained in paramedics for three decades. Well, Rick got arrested for saving her life because the cops didn't like where he parked his car. He had written the manual on where you park your car in emergencies. And a guy kept telling him, move your car. He said, I'm not leaving my patient. If she stops breathing, I'm going to breathe for her. It's touch and go right now. Trust me, I cannot leave. My keys are in my car. If you need it moved, you move it. Nothing doing. It became an authority contest, and the cop was more concerned about the car than he was Rebecca Buchanan, and he actually went to jail for saving Rebecca Buchanan's life. There was a, an outcry in the community, and the, the DA decided he needed to drop the charges. Thank goodness that he did. We need to have courage to preach the gospel. Well, as it happens, Paul had courage. But as it would be, no good deed goes unpunished. The problem is the owners of the servant girl were making their primary income over her ability to tell the future. And now the demon was gone. She couldn't tell you your future any better than anyone else. And so no one was paying the owners of the slave girl anymore to get the word from the demon inside. And so they take Paul before the city authorities, and they say, verse 20, these men being Jews, they're teaching practices uncommon to us. They are not Romans, which wasn't true of Paul, but they said it 
Anyway, Paul and Silas find themselves arrested. Their shirts are removed. Their backs are beaten. They are thrown into prison. In fact, they find themselves in the deepest, deepest, darkest part of the cell. We need to be a people of courage. Paul was willing to preach the gospel even in the midst of Philippi, knowing full well that if he removed the demon, he would remove the prophet. If he removed the prophet, he would be in trouble. We must be a people of courage. I've got a little situation this week. I was out watering in the front of my lawn, and I don't know about where you live, but where I live, everybody's talking about rattlesnakes. It's awfully dry, and the snakes are coming in. And, you know, I, I, I guess it was in the back of my mind. I don't know. I turned the corner, and a reptile-looking, variegated, brown-skin-toned animal leapt at me, and I shrieked out loud. I looked around, and thank goodness no one saw that I was screaming about a frog in my, in my front yard. Lisa happened to be in our closet on the other side. She ran outside and said, what's the matter? I mean, what do you say? There's, there's the problem right there, a little frog about, about that big. Hey, it could have been a killer frog. You don't know. Some of those things are, are, are pretty dangerous. We must be people of courage. Paul preached the gospel even in difficult circumstances. But no good deed goes unpunished. Paul preached the truth despite the bloody beaten back in prison. They find themselves at midnight in the center part of the prison. Their legs are Locked down, they begin singing hymns. And I, I imagine they're singing from the Psalter, some scripture they know. Baby Psalm 59, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil. And save me from bloodthirsty men. They were singing hymns. And all of a sudden, there's an enormous earthquake. The earth shakes, the jail break occurs, the doors go open, the chains fall off. And all of a sudden, the jailer realizes his prisoners have probably escaped. They light the torches, he runs in, and Paul has told the other prisoners, you don't move. If a guy can sing an earthquake, you do what he says. You don't move. They stayed there. The jailer takes his short sword, he draws it out, he's ready to thrust it within himself because they would take his life anyway if he lost his prisoners. And Paul shouts out, do yourself no harm, we are all here. Instead of running, Paul stayed in prison to protect the life of the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer says, what I have to do to know your God. What do I have to do to be saved? What do I need to do to miss the wrath of a God who can shake the foundations of the earth and throw open my prison doors and knock the shackles off the feet of my prisoners? What do I have to do to be saved? 
Look at verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. Don't you like that? They spoke the word of the Lord to him. To whom have you spoken the word of the Lord lately? They spoke the word of the Lord to him, together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour and night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. That's a neat ending to the story. They had been beaten, their backs were bloodied. Well, the keeper of the jail didn't care before. But now Paul has saved his life, and the relationship had changed. And he takes Paul and Silas to his house, and he washes their wounds, and then they washed him with baptism. You see that? They washed, he washed their wounds, and then they washed the sins away with baptism. And not only the jailer, but the jailer's entire household. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Verse 40, they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. They tell Paul he can leave. Paul says, nothing doing. I'm a Roman citizen. They beat me without a trial. And Paul says, send the word back. I'm not leaving the jail. They get nervous because they didn't know Paul was a Roman citizen, and so they beg Paul to leave. But first he goes to the house of Lydia, and notice they're already meeting and worshiping in Lydia's house. They encourage them, and they departed. This is a story about the birth of a church in Philippi, the first church of baptized believers, the first Baptist church of Philippi. It starts with a well-to-do businesswoman who sells purple dye. The Lord opens her heart to the proclamation of Jesus. And the other person in the church is a slave girl who's had the demons dwelling in her all this time. And now she's indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. And the church is made up of a Philippian jailer who not only believed, but his whole household believed. They had nothing in common. A wealthy woman, probably a single woman, a demon-possessed girl now delivered, and a husky Roman soldier in his kids all met at Lydia's house because Jesus was their Lord. They didn't have anything else in common. We don't have a whole lot in common in this room if we were to tell the truth. We've got Democrats in this room and Republicans in this room. We've got people with great means in this room. We've got people with no means at all in this room. We've got Asians in this room. We've got Caucasians in this room. We've got African Americans in this room. We've got folks from third world countries in this room. We have nothing in common except we all say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Who are you in this story? Perhaps this morning, you're Paul and Silas, you're Luke, and you are looking for a clear word from the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to tell you, not Ephesus, not Bithynia, there it is, 
Macedonia. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for that visionary call of God as to where he's leading you next. Maybe you're here this morning and you're Lydia and the Lord is opening your heart to his presence and the proclamation of his salvation. Maybe the character that is you is Lydia. Maybe this morning you're the keeper of the Philippian jail and you realize the enormity and the power of God with a quaking earth. Maybe you're like the Philippian jailer and maybe your proclamation this morning is, what do I need to do to be saved? Perhaps this morning you're the demon-possessed girl. If you were to be honest this morning, the greatest need you have is for God to deliver you from something that is absolutely destroying your life. Maybe that's who you are this morning. Who are you in this story this morning, and do you have the courage like Paul and Silas to preach the gospel even when it costs you? I don't know where you find yourself in this story, but I do know it's a story about the beginning of the church. Let us pray. Oh God, we hear your word this morning. Maybe there's some who need to say, I am a sinner and I need a savior. Maybe there's some here this morning who need to say that I am hounded by demons who possess me and control me, and I need to be delivered from that thing in my life that I've made God in place of you, O oh Lord. Maybe there's some here this morning who would say, I need God's guidance, and I, I need God's direction for my journey of faith. And there's still others this morning who would say, I need to be a part of a church like they believed, were baptized, and joined a church in worship. There's some who need that house of Lydia. May we be that house of Lydia for them. Father, however you call us, may we have the courage to respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray.